Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church right here in Covington, and it's our pleasure and joy to be able to bring you the gospel of Jesus today. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, you who are members of First Christian, you who have been faithful listeners in the community on Sunday mornings. Uh, we continue through uh, these winter months and we continue through the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, so many folk uh, sick, so many deaths. Uh, you know, we turn to the Lord and we, we seek his uh, guidance. We seek his healing. We seek his peace for a lot of troubled hearts and lives. Uh, the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. And we must continue to live for him and put our trust and our faith in him. And today, I'd like for us to consider this subject of faith. We're going to go to Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, and we're going to look at an incident that uh, took place in the life of the Lord Jesus uh, concerning a uh, Roman centurion who trusted Jesus to a great extent, uh, to the point that his faith even amazed the Lord Jesus. And uh, I'm going to uh, say that uh, this sermon might be semi-titled, The Wow Factor. The Wow Factor. Uh, you know, uh, years ago when uh, the show American Idol had become very popular, on, uh, on one of the TV productions, the MC of American Idol asked uh, one of the judges, Simon Cowell, uh, what he was actually looking for when he interviewed and listened to the contestants competing. And uh, Simon Cowell replied and said, there are two things that he uh, was looking for in these contestants. The first was originality, or how are you different from all the other contestants? And second, he said, he was looking for the wow factor. W-O-W, the wow factor. Uh, He's looking for that person who wows him or wows the audience, that which is surprising, that which is distinct, that which is truly amazing. Let's look at this story in Luke chapter 7. Maybe you've turned there in your Bibles, uh, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read from the New International uh, Version. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. 
I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turned to the crowd following him and said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Jesus, verse 9, was amazed at him. If we were reading from a paraphrased version, it might be something like, Jesus heard the man say, just say the word and he'll be healed. And Jesus replied, wow, I can't believe this guy has that much faith. You know, someone has said that faith is deaf to doubt, dumb to discouragement, blind to impossibilities, and know nothing but success in God. I like that. Walking by faith means being prepared to trust where we're not permitted to see. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because we remember the first verse of the faith chapter in Hebrews 11 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I mean, if we wanted to uh, look at faith uh, from a different direction, we'd probably go to Hebrews 11, wouldn't we? But let's stick right here in Luke chapter 7, and let's investigate uh, this centurion whose faith wowed Jesus. Uh, this Roman soldier's faith takes us inside what true faith really is. It shows us how, and it shows us what faith does. Uh, he was a Gentile. Um, he apparently had heard about Jesus and what he had done. You know, uh, this story probably appealed to uh, Theophilus. Uh, Luke addressed this uh, gospel to a Gentile named Theophilus. And this story is significant because uh, here was a Gentile that was exercising faith in the Lord Jesus. A deeper faith, Jesus says, than most of the Israelites did. So let's consider this. I find it interesting that only twice in all of Scripture was Jesus said to be amazed or to marvel at something. And the only other time that that word is used of him being amazed was in the negative when he went back to his hometown of Nazareth, and you remember he was rejected by his uh, fellow Jews. Um, and the Bible says that when he saw their unbelief, he, he was amazed uh, at their unbelief. So twice the Bible speaks of Jesus being amazed, once in disappointment at the lack of belief, and the other in amazement at the strength of this Gentile's belief. What was it about this centurion's faith that made it so strong and that Jesus appreciated? First of all, uh, this amazing faith was uh, amazing because it caused this man to love across all barriers. Uh, the, the Bible says that uh, this centurion loved this, this servant. And uh, he, he, he sent word to Jesus to, 
ask him if he would come and, and heal him. Now, uh, this centurion was a, a Gentile. He was uh, similar to what we might say was an army captain in the world today, in our, in our nation. Uh, the centurion normally commanded a hundred soldiers, had a hundred soldiers under him. And this particular centurion had a servant who was ill. If you checked out Matthew's account of this story, Matthew uses uh, the Greek word pos, which means a young child. And whoever this young man was, um, Luke, the doctor, of course, it was his profession, Luke says that he was sick, and he was so sick that he was getting ready to die. You know, if you've ever clung to a loved one that was at death's door, uh, you felt that uh, that loved one was slowly losing the battle with life. Uh, you know what this centurion was going through, this sense of helplessness. But what's interesting is that such an important official would have felt such deep pain about this little boy, a servant boy. Uh, we're told also that this man loved the nation of Israel, even though it wasn't the land of his birth. It was also evident that this man cared deeply about his young servant. Uh, in other words, he crossed racial and ethic barriers uh, when he, as a Gentile, appealed to Jesus, who was a Jew, for help. I guess the bottom line is that this man loved people who were not like himself. You know, sometimes uh, when we're around people who are outside our social or religious or ethnic barriers, uh, we, we, don't, we don't have a whole lot of love. But this guy was willing to step outside his circle. He was willing to risk his reputation and reach out to Jesus for help. That's a lot of love. Now, the second characteristic of an amazing faith based on this centurion is that it caused him to be excited and active in the work of God. Verses 3 and 4 we read from Luke 7 says that when this centurion heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when the elders came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Uh, they said to Jesus, he loves our nation. He loves Israel. And, and he has even built us a synagogue. Now, we need to understand that the Jewish elders had little love for the Romans in general, and especially Roman soldiers. So this man must have been a very unique individual for the elders to be willing to approach Jesus on his behalf. The elders not only bring the man's request to Jesus, but they vouch for him. They argue that he is a man of integrity. He's well-liked by the Jews. He is worthy of Jesus' help. And they even say he used his own money to build us a synagogue. You know, uh, it's interesting that Gentile worshipers were barred from the temple in Jerusalem as far as worship was concerned. But they were not barred from the local community synagogues. The synagogue was a place that even a Gentile could come and listen to the word of God being taught. And we would assume that that's exactly what was taking place with this uh, centurion. 
he was interested in the Jewish God, the Jewish religion. Uh, apparently, he frequented the synagogue. Not only that, but he was willing to use his own substance, his own money, to make sure that they had a quality synagogue, a place where they could carry on the work of God. How about you and how about me? Do we love the Lord and his church to the point that we are willing to give of ourselves, our time, our money, or are we willing to be good stewards in order that the kingdom of God might thrive in our own lives? It's a question that we really need to ask. You know, it's not so much that we give so much. Uh, it's not so much that our offering is larger than somebody else's. What's, what's important is that we are giving from our hearts that we really are willing to sacrifice in order for the, the Lord to be glorified and in order for lives to be one to Christ. Uh, it, it certainly is a measure of our faith that we're willing to reach out and give. Let's look at a third characteristic of this centurion, which identifies an amazing faith, and that is that it caused this man to approach Christ in great humility. Uh, we often think of these soldiers, especially the soldiers of the Roman army, uh, to be staunch and demanding and proud. So we're impressed not only with this man's gentle love for this little boy servant, but also with his great humility. In this passage that, that we read in verses 6 and 7, it says that uh, uh, Jesus went with the Jewish leaders back, back to the centurion's home, but when he was a good ways from the house, the, the centurion sent friends to him saying, don't trouble yourself. I, I'm not worthy for you to enter under my roof. I, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house, he said. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. Uh, isn't this interesting? Before Jesus could even reach the house, the centurion has sent a, a representative to tell him that it, it wasn't necessary for him to come to the house. You see, he was familiar with the Jewish religious customs. He didn't wish to put Jesus in a position of having to enter the house of a Gentile. He probably knew that it would make Jesus unclean in the eyes of the Jewish community and religion if he came into a Gentile's house. He, he was a man, this, this Roman soldier was a man of considerable influence and power, but he was uniquely humble. He regarded himself as undeserving of having Jesus under his roof. You know, if if we're going to be able to express a deep faith in God, we have to also come front to front with who he is and with who we are. How about that in your life? Every one of us must hold up the glory and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to think of him as the most important one of all, and I believe that's how this centurion felt. This man, the centurion thought, is qualified to heal my servant. I know he can do this, but I don't deserve to have him come under my roof. He realized who Jesus was, 
and he realized who he was. Jesus was the Son of God, and he was a sinner. And we need to come to those same proportions. Now, it's very important that we realize who Jesus is. Remember what Peter said in Matthew chapter 16, recorded there, that when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he looked at his disciples and he said, who do people say that I am? And the disciples started replying with some of the Old Testament prophets' names and that kind of thing. And, and Jesus, you remember, said, well, who do you say I am? And out of divine revelation, Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Peter. Uh, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that upon this rock, upon the fact that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you know who Jesus is today, my friend? If you know who he is, then there is going to be a large part of you that's going to say, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve mercy. But I know who Jesus is, and I'm thankful that he has come to give me this treasure. Let's move on, and let's notice one more characteristic um, of this faith that this centurion had. And, and that is, it, it caused this man to be willing to trust in Christ alone. He trusted in Christ alone. Um, in, in verses uh, 7 and 8, uh, the, the, the centurion says, I don't deserve for you to come under my roof, but you say the word and my servant will be healed. You say the word, just one word. If you give assent to the healing of my servant, I know that he can be healed. And then he goes on in verse 8 to say, because I'm a man uh, uh, placed under authority, and I have authority over some of my soldiers. If I say to one of them, go, he goes. If, if I say, come, he comes. If I say, do this, he does it. So, Lord, I understand who you are, and I know that if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. And uh, this is what brought Jesus to the place where he said, my goodness, uh, I'm surprised. I'm amazed at this man. All Jesus must do is say the word. He believes that it's as good as done. Uh, you know, there's no evidence that this man ever personally heard Jesus preach, and yet he believed. He made his request based on what he had heard about Jesus. Jesus promised this special blessing on people like the centurion, people like you and me. You remember when Jesus appeared to Thomas after his resurrection, and Thomas doubted, you remember? He said, I won't believe unless I put my, my finger in the nail-pierced hands and his side. And uh, Jesus appeared to him uh, then, and Thomas was a believer, and he fell down, and he said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to Thomas in, in verses 28 and 29 of John chapter 20, Thomas, 
because you've seen me, you believe. But blessed are they who have not seen and yet believed. And that's the centurion's story here. And, dear friend, that's your story and mine as well. Uh, we, we have to admire this man because he believed even though he had not seen. And so in verse 9, uh, we see the reaction of Jesus. He marveled at him, the Bible says. He turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Uh, he was wowed. And I have to ask myself the question, is there anything in my life that wows Jesus? What's your wow factor, my friend? I have to ask myself, does my love for God and others cross some of these racial, ethnic, economic, academic, financial barriers so that I can love with an undying love? Like this important centurion loved his little servant boy? Am I willing to step out of my circle and love? Am I willing to risk my reputation? Am I excited and active to be in the work of God? Am I a giver rather than a taker? Am I concerned about what I'm able to do for the Lord rather than always asking what he can do for me, like this centurion? And I have to ask myself, uh, do I humble myself before God like this centurion did? Do I have an understanding of who Christ is? And then do I understand who I am? Do I realize that I am nothing apart from what the Lord Jesus can do for me through his shed blood on the cross? How often do I express the words, Lord, I'm not worthy? Apart from what you did and do for me, I'm not worthy. But I'm thankful. Thankful for your grace. Thankful for your mercy. Thankful for your undying love. But I don't deserve it. Thank you for being who you are. And then, can I really trust Christ alone like this soldier did? Can I say, Lord, you just say the word and it'll be done. After all, your word spoke these planets and suns. And your word spoke everything into being. It was your creative word. And then it was your word, the Lord Jesus Christ, that came into the world to die for the sins of all mankind. So, Lord, I don't doubt that anything you do, you can do by just saying the word. Does this generate some faith in you, my friend? Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. I want you to know there is one who can forgive your sins in a heartbeat, and he will, if you're willing to turn to him in faith. And just like this centurion, my friend, I want you to know today, you don't have to be a certain type of person or a certain race or a certain uh, ethnic origin. You just have to be a human being who puts your faith in Jesus. And if you're willing to do that, 
He'll love you. He'll save you. He'll use you in his kingdom. Thank you for joining us today. I'm going to ask that we pray, and then we're going to listen to a good song together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this day. Thank you for this scripture that we've shared today. Lord, this centurion, uh, we know that he was captured by, uh, by the Lord, and, uh, and he reached out for help. Lord, there are people listening today who need to reach out to help, and I hope that they will. Maybe it's for a healing of a loved one. Uh, maybe it's, it's for salvation. Maybe it's uh, for financial relief. But whatever it is, Lord, give them faith. Help them to be able to say, Lord, you, you just say the word, and it'll be done. May this be the wow factor in some of their lives today. Thank you for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.
girl. 